We're talking about warfare here on Sunday mornings. How many of you know that we're in a spiritual warfare until the day we go home to Jesus? Do you know that? We're in a warfare. And so today I want to continue with part two of this battlefield series. I want to point out the great job my creative team did with this. Isn't that great looking right there? Give them a hand of appreciation. They did a great job. Amen. And uh, so today, guess who we're talking about? Who do you see up there? David and Goliath. The best known fight of the century. A guy walked up to me after the first service. He said, he said Pastor Jeff, I've only been coming here for a few months. He said, your messages are making me feel like Rocky. Now, if you don't know what that means, God help you. But, you know, the, the boxer. The, so I said, good. May all of our church feel like spiritual Rocky. Amen? All right. Let's stand up together and we're going to read. I have my Bible with me. What about you? And we're going to read out of 1 Samuel 17, two verses. Very, very important verses in this story of David and Goliath. What was leading up to this great, famous battle? It says, David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper. This is verse 22, 1 Samuel 17. And he ran to the army and he came and greeted his brothers. There was three brothers he had in the war. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to, notice, the same words. Goliath was approaching Israel twice a day in his intimidation campaign. He was twice a day intimidating them, threatening them, stalking them, confronting them, seeking to paralyze them with fear and intimidation. Twice a day for 40 days he did this. Well, on this particular day, the wrong guy heard him, or I could say the right guy heard him. Because look at the last four uh, words. It says, so David heard them, them being his words. David heard them. Folks, when David heard them, a different set of ears heard them. When David heard them, a different spirit heard them. When David heard them, a different mentality and focus and outlook and worldview heard these words. And Goliath didn't know it, but he spelled his doom when this teenager out in the crowd by the providence of God heard his words. May God give us the same kind of ears David had. Father, we just thank you right now that you are the God who gives us the victory. You give us the victory, Lord, over the warfare that we have been drafted into when we became children of God. Now, Lord, I pray you will give us ears to hear. You will put in us, I pray, the very spirit, spirit and heart of David, which was the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ. David really had the spirit of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this same spirit of courage and confidence will come upon your people who are battling against giants in their own life that, that today will spell the giant's doom. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them your giant is doomed. Amen. Well, now, we haven't talked about spiritual warfare in this series. The Bible says that we are in a spiritual warfare. When we became children of God, we were drafted into a war, like it or not. And the Bible says we're not battling against people with skin on them, not against flesh and blood, but we're battling unseen enemies, principalities, powers, Rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness that is in heavenly places. The the battle is taking place in a realm that is spiritual. And generally, the battlefield is the mind. It's the mind. Now, we tend to think when we think of the the, the battle between David and Goliath, that it was a physical battle because it's Old Testament. And and he had, you know, Goliath had all the, the, the worldly weaponry And um, though David used a sling and a stone, still it was something you could touch. So it was a, a physical battle, but it wasn't church. This battle between David and Goliath was intensely spiritual in nature. It was between the satanic, blasphemous, and idolatrous Philistines who were demonized, pagan, Satan worshiping devil-worshipping, idolatrous people. And they were fighting against God's chosen people who had a chosen destiny, who had a purpose in God. And their highest purpose was to bring forth Messiah into the world because Jesus came from the Jews. So Jesus wasn't black-skinned or white-skinned or yellow-skinned or red-skinned. Jesus was olive-skinned. He was Jewish. And we owe our salvation to the Jews. He was a Jewish Messiah. The Philistines, through Goliath's mouth, he told them, here's our plan. Our plan is you send out a man to fight me, and if he defeats me, we will become your servants. But if I defeat him, then you, Israel, must become subservient to us, the Philistines. Now, if you can imagine yourself being cast into the hands of this pagan, demonized civilization, what they would have done to the Jews if they had become their slaves. And so everything was on the line with this battle, and it was very spiritual because if if Israel became the Philistines' slaves and servants, they would have gone into extinction. And if they had gone into extinction, Messiah would never have come. The devil was using Goliath to try to take out the lineage from which Jesus would come. So it was very diabolical and it was very spiritual. Goliath was the quintessential bully. Goliath, his modus operandi was to paralyze by intimidation and fear. And he was very effective with Israel because we find them, sadly and tragically, all quivering in their tents with the flaps shut. Every time Goliath showed himself twice a day for 40 days, Israel didn't do anything but run from him into their tent and close the flaps and hide and quake and shake. It was sad because these were former giant killers who took whole cities of giants in the name of the Lord and conquered them as part of their destiny. But now they're quivering and shaking from one giant. It's a sad sight to see. 
But I, I'm glad to say God had a plan. Now, now, with you and your giant, I want to tell you God also has a plan. So I want you to say out loud, God's got a plan. God has a plan. When there is a giant coming against you, God never says, well, I'll be. Can you believe, Gabriel, that there is a giant coming against my child right there? No, God knew the giant was coming before he ever arrived. And God had a plan. He always has a plan. Here was his plan. In his providence, he had been raising up a young man, a teenager, on the backside of the Judean hillsides who had learned how to worship God, to come into the presence of God, who wrote songs of worship to the Lord that we know as the Psalms. He had begun a romance with God Almighty. He had come into intimate contact with the Lord. He knew God increasingly as the days went by. This young teenager had been set aside by God to be his future giant killer, and his name was David. And by God's providence, he calls David's daddy, Jesse, to say, hey, David, here's a few sack lunches. I want you to go to see your brothers. He had three brothers in the battle. I want you to take these lunches to your brothers and ask them how the battle's going and come and tell me, give me a report on how everything is doing. And so if you had watched this, you would have said, well, you know, it's just happenstance that Jesse told David to go. But no, the providential hand of God was upon the whole thing. You see, folks, so often God's footprints are invisible. We don't see when he's moving, but he's moving all the time. And when we think that we have been set up by the devil above that setup, God has a divine setup. And God always is one step ahead. And so God... God moves on Jesse and says, David, go. And so what looked like man's plan was God's plan. Young David approached the battle lines with his sack lunches just in time to hear the giant come out for his umpteenth speech to intimidate Israel and challenge them to a battle. And when David heard Goliath's threatening words, he was totally unaffected by fear. Different ears heard it, different eyes saw it, a different soul processed it. This was not a normal, typical, carnal young man. This, this young man, David, had come to know God. And because he knew God, he didn't run, he didn't hide, he didn't shake, he didn't quake. He was totally, uniquely different from every other man in Israel. Tell you, when you walk with God, it makes a difference for you. When you walk with God, you're not going to be like everybody else. When you walk with God, he's going to teach you some things and and you're going to look at things and hear things differently than anybody around you. And David's only response was, now this is the revised Wickwire slanted revised version, but here it is. David's response was, who does this guy think he is defying God's army this way? Everybody else was going. All the rest of the army was saying, have you seen Goliath? Have you seen Goliath? Oh, he's bad. He's really bad. This is a terrible giant. Not David. Not David. He said, who does this guy think he is? And when he spoke those words, it was like dropping a rock onto a small pond, still as glass, and those ripples went out and moved throughout the army. His words instantly stirred things up and went all the way to the ears of King Saul, who himself was hiding in his tent. 
Now, when I read David's response, the first thing I want to know is, how did he get that way? Where did David get that courage from? How was he so fearless? Why was he not affected like everybody else? What made him what I want to call a bully-proof man? Now, we've heard of bulletproof. How about bully-proof? You know what God's looking for today, church? He's looking for bully-proof churches. Bully-proof churches. So we're in a bullying generation and a bullying culture. Don't talk in the name of Jesus. Don't bring up God. Don't call sin, sin. Don't talk about the things of God. Don't try to push your religion on us. You need to shut up and stay in the four walls of your own tent and don't come out and bother us or we will this, that, and the other. Listen, I defy that. That's not of God. And you know what God wants? God wants a bully-proof church. Who are you to defy the Jesus who died for my sins? A a, a bully-proof church does not allow itself to be muzzled or intimidated or made afraid by the enemy. A bully-proof church says, who do you think you are? Thankfully, David tells us out of his own mouth how he got this way, how he became so fearless. And here's the story. You know it, but I'm going to go ahead and tell it anyway. While watching over his father's sheep, the sheep that had been entrusted to him, he had experienced the attack of two hugely intimidating creatures well before Goliath. One was an Israeli lion and another was an Israeli bear. And he recounts to a stunned King Saul that when he was just a boy watching over his father's sheep, the lion came out of nowhere, pounced on the flock, grabbed a lamb in its jaws. The lamb began to cry out, and this young teenager ran towards the lion, grabbed the lion by the beard, took the lamb out of his mouth, and then killed the lion with his bare hands. Now, I want you to use your sanctified imagination a little bit. A full-grown Israeli lion has a growl that can literally shake the ground. You've been to the Fort Worth Zoo and heard a lion roar. When a lion roars, it rattles every cage around. It is a fearsome beast. He paralyzes his prey by his roar before his paws ever touching. His razor-sharp teeth can tear you to shreds like a buzzsaw. And our enemy, the devil, is compared to a lion in the Bible. It says he's a roaring lion walking around seeking whom he may devour. The Greek says eat alive. The, the, the devil is just like that roaring lion. And David said, I defeated him, Saul. And then a full-grown charging Israeli bear also attacked the flock. A full-grown bear could send you home to Jesus with one swipe of his paw. And David said, when he grabbed one of my lambs, one of the lambs entrusted to me, one of the lambs owned by my daddy, something rose up in me, and I grabbed that bear by the beard, and I took the lamb out of his mouth, and then I killed the bear, Saul, bare-handed. All that Saul could say is, the Lord be with you. What a guy, that King Saul. You want to go against him? The Lord be with you. (laughs) Young David had encountered these deadly creatures in hand-to-hand combat when they seized one of the lambs. He was not afraid. Listen to his testimony. When a lion or a bear came and took out of the flock, took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it 
and I struck it and I delivered. I love this. I delivered. I delivered the lamb. I set the lamb free. I took the lamb out of the jaws of death. I delivered the lamb from the lion and bear's mouth. And when the lion and bear didn't like what I was doing and rose against me, I caught them by their beard and struck them and killed them. Then he said, Saul, as happened to the lion and bear, this giant is going to come down the same way. Now, this is powerful stuff. (laughs) Go and the Lord be with you, my friend. Now, there's some important truths here that I want to point out. I got to point out, first of all, because we're talking about spiritual warfare. I want you to notice that that, that David says the, the lion took a lamb right out of the middle of the flock. Folks, spiritual warfare is always up close and personal. You've heard me say, if the devil can't defeat you, he'll defeat somebody whose defeat defeats you. When the devil comes to stop us, to hinder us, to detour us, distract us, to intimidate us, to disarm us, if he can't get at us, he'll try to get at somebody whose defeat really affects us. Our enemy is brazen, he is bold, and he's audacious. David said he didn't get a lamb that had strayed from the flock, that had drifted from the flock. He didn't pick out a lamb that was had dropped behind He went right into the midst of the flock and plucked that lamb out. The enemy attacked what was near and dear to David, what God had entrusted him with, what he had left in his hands to protect. The devil doesn't stop at the border of your home. The devil doesn't stop at the border of the church property and say, well, we can't go any closer. This is the church property. Can I give you some news today? The devil goes to church. Now, don't look at your spouse. Look right up here at me. The devil goes to church. You think coming in here with us worshiping God, that Satan says, well, hey, I can't go on that land. I can't go on that property. No. As this lion and bear went right into the midst of the flock, the devil also is brazen enough and bold enough and audacious enough to go right into the middle of things and go to church. He attacks the flock right in the midst of us by some offense or a hurt or a false teaching. It happens all the time. He's bold. He's brazen. He'll grab a lamb or try to grab a lamb right out of the midst of us. David says that when the lion attacked, David was standing right there. And the lion said, pretty much, he said, I'm grabbing that lamb. What are you going to do about it? And what I like about David is he said, I'll I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to take him out of your jaw and then I'm going to kill you. All right. And this is the testimony of scripture. Let's get real. Paul told the Ephesian elders just before moving on in his travels, he said, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves. So we have a lion. We have the illustration of a bear and we have the illustration of a wolf, all predators, all savage all brazen. He said, they're going to come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men are going to rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. 
He said, the attack is going to happen right in the midst of you. I'm going to pray for you. Paul said, I know how to spot a wolf, but I'm about to leave. And I don't think you guys know how to spot a wolf as well as I do. And I'm concerned that the, the, the lambs are going to be attacked and carried away. The seductress Jezebel destroyed many of God's men right in the midst of the church fellowship, right under the elders' noses. And Jesus had to personally send a word to that church. You know that Judas operated as a thief right in the midst of the 11 disciples with Jesus standing right there. It said he had the money bag and he was a thief. He was always pilfering and embezzling money from the money bag. And he did it right in front of the disciples and Jesus himself. The, 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 the wolf came right in. Spiritual warfare is always up close and personal. The enemy attacks the sanctuary. He attacks the children's department. He attacks the youth department. That's why pastors are told, be sober, be vigilant, be on guard for your adversary. The devil is walking around seeking how he can pounce. So warfare is up close and personal. It goes for the jugular. It goes for what you care about. Listen, the devil wants to break your heart. The devil wants to break your heart. The devil wants to distract you, deter you, and disarm you. Now, I'm not here to lift him up. I'm here to expose him because he's a defeated foe, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But we can't be stupid either, right? Now, look at what David did when he came under attack, when, when, when the enemy went right into the midst of his flock. We see a key to spiritual victory. I want you to catch this. It's that David went after the lion. In verse 35, David says to Saul, when the lion attacked and the bear attacked, I went after him. Now, please catch that, folks, because normal people don't do that. A mighty lion grabbed a lamb out of the flock and began to walk away, shaking it in his jaw. Most of us would have said, have a happy meal, because I am not going to... uh, tangle with you. I'm not going to tangle with a lion. Have a happy meal, but not David. Catch this because this has everything to do with warfare. It says David ran toward, toward, not from, but toward the lion and ran toward the bear, which is exactly what he did with Goliath. You know, the Bible tells us that. The Bible records, so it was when the Philistine Goliath arose and came near to meet David. David hurried, and look at this, ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Oh, that makes a difference right there. Because David, understand, you don't win by running away. You win by running toward. It was David's way to never run from the enemy in fear. In an hour of attack, he always ran towards him by faith. If you've ever come under real attack by the enemy, you know this. You know that if you try to run, hide, duck, dodge, try taking things to numb the pain, try to somehow get away from the attack of the enemy by natural means, you cannot run, you cannot hide. When the bully comes, the bully comes. There's only one thing you can do, turn and face him and run toward him by faith. Think about this with me. There's only one place the armor of God in Ephesians 6 does not protect, and that's your back. 
There is no armor for the back. There's the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, gospel sandals, sword of the spirit, the shield of faith that you hold up when you're marching toward an army. But there is not one thing given by God to protect a fleeing Christian who's running from the enemy in fear. Your back is wide open, and you'll find that if you run, you begin to lose. Well, what do I do, Jeff? Well, you put on the armor of God, and you take up the weapons of your warfare that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You're not ever going to get anywhere from running from your problems, running from your situations, running from your burdens. We see so many people... Uh, churchgoers who, who come here, they're here a few months and they go elsewhere, and you find that there were six churches before us and there will be six more after us because as soon as there's a problem, they run. They've learned to run. Only problem is when you run without having taken care of your problem, your problem is waiting for you when you arrive at your next destination. You'll never conquer anything by running away from it. And you especially are not going to win in spiritual warfare, in, in running from the devil. Remember, Satan, like Goliath. Goliath is a type of Satan. Satan's just like Goliath. Goliath is just like Satan. They're bullies. And bullies bully until he who is being bullied decides to be bullied no more. And you must turn and face the bully. And most bullies, when you turn and face them and swing... They say, you know, I didn't really mean it. Let's be cool. Peace. Because bullies are cowards by nature. Can I tell you, Satan is a coward. He only moves in areas where you don't have enough knowledge or wisdom to defeat him. The best thing to do is turn and face the devil down with the weapons of your warfare. Remember that Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus beamed. And he said, Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, Simon, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you, you are Simon. And upon this rock, what rock? Not Peter. But on the rock of the revelation, Peter spoke. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. On that rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, notice, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, you have two key words there. You have gates and you have Hades, hell or Hades. The gates are crucial because gates are what protected a city in Jesus' day. They were shut at night, lest an invader come in under cover of darkness and take the city. So the gates were shut. They were huge. They were thick. They were impenetrable. But if an enemy broke through the gates, the city was done. Jesus said, my church will be on the offense and will bang on the gates of strongholds, bang on the gates of Hades, and the gates of Hades will not be able to withstand my advancing, gospel-preaching, Christ-exalting church. Jesus viewed his church, us, attacking those gates, and the gates of Hades not able to withstand it. He did not mean the church would hang on, barely getting by against the assaults of an angry hell. Uh-uh. He meant that hell would not be able to stand against an attacking, advancing church. 
The church is not to run from Goliath. The church should advance toward Goliath, slinging the following three stones. See this right here? How he's got that sling and he's doing this? I want you to keep that in mind. Here's three stones we sling into the devil's forehead. And you know them, but I'm going to say them again. We need to remember. First, the stone of the Word of God. The Word of God is alive. And it is powerful. And the enemy fears a church... Not the flesh and blood people, but Jesus in those people. When those people understand that this is the only thing that can defeat Satan. And if you swing this like a rock into the devil's forehead and say, it is written, it is written, it is written. I stand on this. It's my truth. It's where I get my worldview. It is my wisdom. It is my knowledge. It is my understanding. It is what God has given to me. And you sling that into his forehead. Down he comes with a great thud. He can't defeat it. And then the second stone is the name of Jesus. Jesus said, in my name, not in Buddha's name, not in Krishna's name, not in Muhammad's name. Jesus said, my name. There's no other name given among men whereby we might be saved. His name is above all names that are named in heaven and earth and under the earth. There is no name like the name of Jesus. It rattles the cage of hell. It makes heaven rejoice. It is the name that gets us saved. It is the name of salvation, the name of healing, the name of deliverance. It is the name of freedom. It is the name of liberty. It is the name that will change your life. And he said, in my name, they, you, will cast out devils. We see that David said to Goliath, you come to me with shield and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That tells me right there, David knew that it was a spiritual battle. He said, you've got a spear, you've got a shield, you've got all this impressive armor, but but I, David, understand that this is the Lord's battle. This is not between flesh and blood. And in the name of my God, I'm going to bring you down. And boy, did he come down. And then third, the stone of the blood of the lamb. They overcame him. Who? The devil. By the blood of the lamb. Thank God. The blood is that means by which God delivers us from the jaws of death. It is the blood of the lamb. Satan fears the blood, hates the blood. Look what he said. By the blood of the lamb, they overcame him. Everybody... I don't want you to do this. You'll hit somebody, but here he goes. He fires that rock right into the giant's forehead, and he fell. Physical picture of a spiritual truth. We do the same thing. So spiritual warfare is up close and personal, and you must face the enemy down with your spiritual weaponry. Stand in the middle of your living room and say, devil... Here is where I take my stand. I take the word of God in one hand. I take, I take the shield of faith in the other. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. And in the name of Jesus and by the word of God and by the blood of the lamb, I take my stand in faith in the middle of this home. He's after your children. He's after your marriage. He's after your money. He's after your peace. He's after your morality. How long are you going to run and hide and quiver and shake, turn around and face him down, fully girt in the armor of God, holding up your spiritual weaponry and don't let him do it?
Now, here's the deal, and I'm going to end with this. Your private battles are preparing you for public victories. Think about it. David defeated the lion and the bear when nobody was looking but God and the angels. His daddy Jesse wasn't there. His brothers weren't there. Saul wasn't there. None of the people of Israel were there. When, when the lion and the bear attacked, it was just David and the flock. So it was what we would call a private, personal battle. The lion and the bear were private battles he faced in the solitary setting of the Judean hillside. Folks, do you think that David ever imagined as he fought off the lion and fought off the bear in private that these battles had been allowed by God to prepare him for a greater day, the day that he would face the giant Goliath and would literally deliver the entire nation of Israel like a lamb out of the jaws of that lion, that what he was learning in private, he was going to put to great use in public. God never wastes a pain. God never wastes a battle. The lion and the bear battles of life are there to train us to tackle giants. You might say the lion and the bear in your life, that's boot camp. The real war is coming. And and what God wants is people who have gone through the boot camp, who have defeated the lion, defeated the bear, and they're now ready to step onto the national spotlight and bring some giants down. I could start naming national giants. I would love to see fall. But it's not going to happen by might. It's not going to happen by power. It's not going to happen by Republicans or Democrats or anybody in D.C. It's going to happen by the holy, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled church of the living God. Listen, God is always preparing you for what is next. Whatever you're going through today, I want you to stop and think, all right, this is really bad. I don't like this. I'm really being attacked. And then I want you to stop and think, God is preparing you. He's the teacher. He's right there. And he is strengthening you, preparing you, calling you for what is next. He always has next in mind. He always has the next level, the next battle, the next conquest, the next city. He's always got something next, and he's always preparing you and me. He has you in the trenches today, faithfully fulfilling smaller tasks, fighting personal enemies, teaching you the ropes of faith and warfare. He wants you coming out of your battle saying, wow, the word of God really does work. It really does work. I heard the preacher say all the time that it worked. But now that I've encountered a lion and I pulled out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and I leaned on it and meditated in it and lived in it and quoted it and believed it and walked in it, and now I see it defeated the lion. It really does work. And God says, that's what I was waiting for you to say. Because you never know anything better than what you learned yourself. Somewhere, folks, a greater day is coming for everybody in this room. It's going to require everything you're learning now. Somewhere in your Christian walk, you're about to meet a nine-foot giant somewhere along the way. And unless God has brought you through some lion and bear victories, you're not going to have a chance against that Goliath 
What's happening now is boot camp for tomorrow. David won those early battles, and that's where he got the courage to face Goliath. I can almost see a lion head and a bear head like trophies hanging in a proud display on the wall of his soul. And when he heard Goliath belching out his arrogant threats at God's army, his mind immediately went back to that lion and immediately accessed the memory of that bear. And he said, if God could give me the lion and God could give me the bear, this guy is coming down too. If he did it yesterday, he can do it today. So let me ask you, what is your lion and bear today? Sexual sin, worry, fear, a habit, a doubt, weariness, a financial need, a marital conflict. It seems like a lion and bear are devouring your home and you don't know what to do. Can I tell you, the teacher is there, the anointed one is there, the equipper is there, the encourager is there, the word is there. And he's saying, let's learn. I want you to see what I can do because one day you're going to be in a spotlight when everything is on the line. And I want people who know how to get victory standing there proclaiming my name. Whatever your lion and bear are, anything you need to win and everything you need to win, you already have it. Can we stand together today? And I want you to say with me, run no longer. Face that lion down. Rescue what he has stolen. And learn warfare. Amen. I want a bullyproof church. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? And I see an army of God here.